Hello and welcome to the sisterhood of Mommy Imperfect. I'm Rina Dipti Annabil, aka Mommy Imperfect and this is a podcast where each and every week I explore womanhood and I speak to fabulous females who are all rewriting the rules and thriving and who are inspiring other women to do the same. So this episode is called How to Succeed in Love when it comes to finding the right person for you and also maintaining a happy and healthy relationship. So my guest today is a professional matchmaker and owner of the agency Cupid in the City. Welcome to the Sisterhood of Mummy Imperfect, Siobhan. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Rina. It's a pleasure to be here. Love the intro. First, I want to just know a little bit about your story. Like, why did you become a professional matchmaker? (laughs) I ask myself this question quite frequently, even now, 13 years later. (laughs) Why did I end up doing this? Uh, What called me here? Um, It's a... you know, I, I find in life, I've, I've not been always that consciously intentional about the career route that I've taken. I've kind of dabbled in things. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very much a yes person. And so when someone presents an opportunity to me, I'm always like, sure, I'll give that a go. And I was working with a comedian as his PA about 13 years ago. And we were putting together a weekly comedy show. Right. But he one day suggested that uh, we should try to coordinate a singles event, like a speed dating, because he had observed that a lot of the regular people that were coming to see the comedy, the crowd was was probably 80% single people. So it was kind of, you know, we got to know the audience because they were like regulars that would come every week. And we understood that actually they weren't just coming for the comedy they were kind of coming to hoping to meet someone as well. Mm-hmm. So we did have this segment in the show that was kind of, it, well, it was a dating element. It was a thing where we would pick somebody in the crowd. Yeah. We would then have to pick three people in the crowd that they would potentially want to go on a date with. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, it sounds quite fun. It was quite fun. And then the audience would, after asking them a few questions, would then pick the person that they got to go on a date with and we'd pay for the date. So that was the start of us doing that bit of matchmaking. So I'd be the one going into the crowd, like going, hey, do you want to get involved in this dating game that we're doing? And then, yeah, kind of playing that bit of Silla Black kind of role with the blind date questions and all of that. So, and then we just decided, yeah, we'll do a speed dating night. And it was a huge success and people just wanted the, us to continue doing them so it then became a regular thing that I was doing and before long I had quite a lot of data on single people right because when they registered for the event I would also get them to answer a series of questions mm. so I ended up with this like spreadsheet and I found myself really intrigued by this spreadsheet mm. about oh right okay you know who's actually getting on with who here because I can see that that there's some common interest and all the rest of it. So, yeah, that's kind of how it all started. And from there, um, just kind of decided that I would ask everybody if they would be interested in me setting them up one-on-one, which I got a a lot of people response uh, responding saying, yeah, I would love that. And um, the first couple that I set up, it went on to a relationship and it was a success and I kind of, became addicted to the idea of, you know, setting people up. And it, it really became an obsession of mine. Um, 
while I was still working full time. But yeah, it was it was distracting me a lot in my full time job suddenly. And are you one of these people who would describe yourself as a romantic, like you really believe in love and you want to see it work? I think so. Yeah, I think definitely I believe in love and I believe of the importance of love and, and partnership. And I, I feel like the relationships in our life are just so important. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. And you yourself, um, from what I gather from your social media, you're married and have kids. Yes, I have three small children. Um, so I have a six year old, a three year old and a one year old. And we're not married yet, but that's definitely, yeah, something that we're going to do with the children further down the line. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) So, you know, I have spoken to matchmakers and relationship experts on this podcast before. I do, you know, like to kind of delve into relationships and what makes them work and and finding love. But what makes this episode a little bit different is I want to just talk about how to succeed in love like it's is it something else do you think like something else in your life where you're like you know what I really want to do this and I want to achieve this other thing in my life which is finding the right person or maintaining a relationship like should we view it like that do you think Mm. so I mean I work with a lot of high achieving women who tend to that's typically my client is like high achieving people um and I think that Yes, they very much see it as a goal and it's almost like another accomplishment for them to find that person that also, it, it, it's um, it's interesting because I feel like also people now today, a lot of people want to be part of this like power couple dynamic and, you know, so there's a lot of that as well. But I, I very much always remind my clients that it isn't just another goal on their list to tick off, right? It's It's like, it's like the friendships that you have in your life and the relationships you have in your life. Like it's about nurturing them and it's also about attraction, right? So you can't just kind of go out and get some, got something like a, like you get a job, right? It's, it's not as simple as that. Like it's got to feel right. Um, and feelings can take time, right. To develop like, yeah. I think this idea of this instant chemistry and all of this and the movie kind of depiction of love and romance is totally inaccurate because the reality is the person you end up with, you might not even like them at first. You might actually be like, "Mm, not really sure about you, you know. And I think the trouble is, is dating today is so fast paced because people are so quick to just go on the date decide very quickly they don't like this person and they're straight back on the apps trying to find something better and there Uh, and there are so many choices out there right so it's not just like oh if I don't get to know this person there's nothing available because you have all these other people in your mind right that you could potentially get to know if it was like the olden days where you probably you know meet someone on a night out that that would happen maybe once or twice a year right that you might actually I love the fact that you said the olden days (laughs) Well, it is really now, isn't it? I know it makes me feel old as well, but you know, it. It. it I feel like it. It just doesn't happen like that anymore. You don't really hear of people saying, "Oh, yeah, we met on a night out and we just got talking." Like it's very rare that you actually hear that now. Yeah, and 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 it's like, and and that is a little bit like I do feel a little bit sad about it as well because you know I was talking to my husband about this the other day and we have three girls and it's mm. like you know as they're growing and we're thinking oh you know are they gonna find someone nice one day and somebody who 
isn't on all the apps at all the same time and has 50 people like you know in the wings waiting you, you know what I mean you kind of want that for your kids as well and that and we were saying as well that like it is harder now um because you there appears to be so much choice and you can tailor it to meet your requirements so do you think that people are are people kind of like filtering their searches so much that they're actually missing out on people who maybe weren't in the remit of oh this is my perfect person but maybe they could work 100 percent. like you know I think that I say this to people as well if you were to naturally meet someone say on a night out you're not suddenly going to get uh, a tape measure out and check their height you're not going to ask for their date of birth to make sure that they're, you know, exactly within your five year gap that you want. You're not going to, you know, straight away. OK, fine. You might ask if they're divorced, they've got kids and stuff. But at the end of the day, if you just really connect with someone, then all of that kind of those superficial aspects of that particular requirements as if you're ordering a piece of furniture really just go out of the window. Um, so I think that the focus should always be on the connection rather than the very sort of specific say physical attributes or even circumstantial because even in my case I would have said at 29 when I got with my partner my preference would be to have someone who doesn't have a child but he already had a child right you know and if I would have gone online absolutely I would have been like no kids you know but here we are and we've gone on to have three children together so I just think that yeah it isn't always going to be everything on your list and and also the choice seems to be out there but no one's actually enjoying these apps no one's actually enjoying having discussions with multiple people everybody's feeling really overwhelmed by it yeah I mean for me like who's not part of that world um it does seem really overwhelming um like what you're saying it, it kind of reminds me of um this series Indian matchmaking and I don't know if you got to see it or not but it's yeah. like quite popular at the moment and like you know there is this quite a traditional Indian matchmaker Seema auntie and she basically says the same thing as you right well you know what's interesting obviously thank you for the introduction about um my agency Cupid in the city but I actually have two agencies and one is Indian matchmaking agency as well so really uh, <laughs> excuse me I've got to have a pop. yes um so it, it's uh it's been very interesting I've been matching in the Indian community now for uh let's say five years um and it, it's been very interesting to see the different nuances you know culturally and and the, again I guess there's just there's just so much more to it. You know, I've also been matching mainly Hindu and Sikh community, but it's uh, also in the Muslim community too. And I mean, I can say you can't put Asian matchmaking in one box. It's, you know, it, yeah. dealing with the Muslim community is so different than dealing with the Hindu and Sikh community because there's just so many more layers to consider as well, you know. Yeah. Um, and obviously now we're not really matching on caste, but even that comes up sometimes, you know, yeah. particularly, uh, for example, if I have a Sikh Jat client, nearly all the time they want someone Jat as well, you know, and it just makes the search that much harder when yeah. you start putting all these different barriers, I feel, in the way, you know, but um, yeah, I understand it as well. How, how did you get into that then? Because are, are you, you're not Indian heritage yourself, are you? Are you? No, I'm, I'm mixed heritage. Right. Um, but uh, so I, I actually do have Indian people in my family, like on the Trinidadian side. Right, right. Um, there's a lot of uh, Indian people in the Caribbean as well. 
Um, but I actually mentored someone who started up the agency because by the time that she started, I'd already been doing it for eight, nine years. So I have mentored quite a lot of matchmakers in the industry and she was one. And when she then moved to Singapore to get married and start a family with her with her now husband, um, she was just going to probably close it down. But she actually then offered me the opportunity to take over the business. Mm. And as I said, I, I enjoyed and I got so much success uh, matching, helping to match within the community. Uh, it was an easy kind of yes for me. Yeah, that's so interesting. Wow. And yeah, for, for, for you to kind of like, I'm assuming it was just like, wow, like very different, a lot to learn or do you, or is it basically the same really? So, you know, one of the things for me though, was when I took over, I absolutely had to have Indian matchmaker come on board. There was no way that I could just completely uh, be the main matchmaker. You know, I, I very much work with my team, but for me, I had to have somebody Indian in there that could really understand the Indian experience, you know, and so um, I've got Narinda uh, who works with me very closely. She's fantastic. And, um, you know, it's interesting because she's been married for, I think, nearly 30 years as well. So that's really nice that she can kind of come with that yes. experience as yeah. well. She is a bit of an auntie Seema, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> so interesting. Um, you know, you know, how, um, like uh, a couple of minutes ago, you mentioned like, uh, that you match like professional people and a lot of like professional high flying women like you right. know the I just wanted to talk to you about these terms like high value men and high value women and these terms get thrown around a lot now and especially like yeah. you know on social media you'll have people discussing like oh well high value men should do this and if you want a high value man man as a woman this is what you need to do and this is what they want like what what um t just tell me about these terms and why they're thrown around so much now yeah, I mean, it still makes me feel a little uncomfortable, those terms, mm. because I feel like it almost makes people seem like a commodity or, yeah. you know, um, we don't want to put a price on ourselves, right? I mean, it's just like, yeah, I mean, what's low value, you know, and I don't think we should be like seeing ourselves as low value or high value. I think, I think for me, it's and I have occasionally used those terms and actually when I have used them I've almost been I've been attacked very quickly I thought oh I better maybe not use yeah. that because I think that it also gets used in a very derogatory way by certain content creators and they will use it as a way to um, demean for example you know the late Kevin Samuels he yes. used to talk I was gonna uh, yeah I was gonna ask you about him he was like quite harsh with the people that he spoke to um sometimes wasn't he I mean the thing is people put content out a lot of the time to get a reaction yeah. right and the more extreme you are in your views the more offensive you are the more that you're willing to put your neck on the line to be hated like even if you're hated people don't care because they're still getting people like and comment just to have something to say, right? So they're still getting the engagement. And I think that he really played on that shock factor. He he had his audience at first that were men that he was helping to yeah. kind of life coach them. And then he realized, oh, you know what? I can actually empower these men by suddenly telling them that they're not the problem. Actually, they just need to go for these young, pure women 
who are very slim and all of this and all the other women are trash, you know? And I just think that just wasn't the right approach. But with everything that anybody says, there's always some truth to what they say. And I think that some of us do need to face some facts that maybe we have less options at certain points in our lives. And I think that is true. You know, it doesn't mean, though, that it's a hopeless situation, right? I have women coming to me and starting families in their 40s, you know. But if you listen to these content creators, apparently, if we don't have children by the time we're 30, forget about it, which is just ridiculous. It, it's so, I just feel like it's, I really feel for, like, my fellow women, like, everybody, I just feel like for a woman it's quite difficult to kind of like, if you want to be like, oh, I really want to achieve this in my career. I want to dedicate, you know, 20 years to building this career. And then it's like, okay, and now I want to have a family and, you know, you're 40 or whatever. Yes, you can, like you said, but like you said just now, the choices and what, you know, other people might want, it's really difficult to, to, to fit it all in. It is. And I think that what's happened, though, also as a result of that, well, women today, yeah, it's not like it used to be where we're just literally at home being homemakers. Like, we are going out to work. We want equal partners now, right? We want men that are happy to do their fair share around the house too, right? We don't want to have to do everything and go to work and, you know, bring home the money as well. So men today, I think, are feeling quite displaced because yes. they don't see themselves straight as the provider role anymore. Like they realized that before their value was totally placed on that. Like, well, I'm bringing home the money, so I get to make all the rules. Like you get to submit to me, right? But now it's like, okay, but maybe the woman's even making more money than him now. So it's this kind of, we're in this real chaotic state at the moment. I think things are going to, we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure mm. out how to work together. But in the midst of while we're figuring it out, what happens is, is all this sort of divisiveness is, is happening right now, which I, which I really feel uncomfortable about. You know, it feels very much like men versus women on the internet a lot of the time now. And I'm not interested in those kind of discussions. I've been on podcasts with over a million views and then realized, uh, I don't think I should have been sat there because this is me now partaking in a in a conversation that is extremely divisive and right. you know I, i'm not interested in divisiveness i'm all, i'm always all about how we can work together and be more you know in unity with one another mm. um do you do you think that people have become a bit more selfish now like we talked about you know the apps and how uh dating is different you know but now you know you can kind of it's very easy to be in your own world and have, you know, everything geared towards what you want. You buy what you want, you, you know, kind of gear your content towards what you want. You know, you can even like, I don't know, if you want to look up porn, right, it's there. And then you can like tailor that to what you're into as well, yeah. right? Um, you know, you don't even need to, need to leave the house to kind of interact with people as it were, like, you know, online and whatever. And, you know, you can cut people off with the mere mention of, oh, I've got boundaries, you know, you're overstepping that, goodbye, like that. Mm. Does this come to our, is this to our detriment when it comes to relationships? I think that people are not particularly tolerant today. Mm -hmm. 
I think that would be more what I would see it as is a lack of tolerance for people that even have a different viewpoint than you. I mean, you just got to go on Twitter to see how people react when someone has a different viewpoint than them, right? It's very difficult for people to actually have a constructive conversation or even debate by actually being able to relay their own points and views, but also have respect for somebody having a difference of opinion. And it's almost like, as soon as you see someone has a different viewpoint, a different, oh, that's it, you know, they're not for me. Yeah. And what I will agree with is you need to be with someone that has the same values as you. Mm. But you're not always going to agree on everything. So that communication needs to be worked on. You need to work out how to navigate difficult conversations without, you know, a lot of people are very afraid of confrontation. And I think that it's not always about a confrontation in a confrontational way, but you should be able to say, you know, this is something that I'm, I mean, my thing, right, okay, is with communication with men, men are very, um, let's say, sensitive to criticism. So you don't want to just straight up criticize. You always want to try to relay it from a place of, I feel this way and you own it that this is how you feel rather than making it that this person is to blame for how you feel. Do you mm. see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So so true, so true what you're saying, yeah. <laughs> so it's just recognising your feelings and, and, and keeping track of your thoughts and feelings but just owning it and totally being like, yeah, I feel like this, um, not making this your fault but I'm just sharing with you this is how I'm feeling right now about this you know and if that person wants to say hey you know I'm sorry if I played a part in you feeling that way great but it's but it's not about criticizing not about attacking and um it's 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 always about the team right I think you've got to always remember that it's not just you and your needs and how they're getting met all the time it's about how can the team benefit in this situation? And that's how we're going to try to work it out. It's not point scoring. It's not, you know, I win, you lose. Because nobody wins in that situation mm. when you're trying to make a relationship. Like, you need to be acting like you're part of a team, I think, from day one. And sometimes, actually, that's quite difficult to do. Like, I'm, I'm just saying this from a person who, like, it will have been 16 years being married this summer. And, you know, sometimes you do want to win. You do want to score points. You do want to make and you do want to be like, oh, I'm the one that knows what I'm doing. Like you actually do want to do that and you have to check yourself. Right. Do do you think this is ego, though? Is it all about are we supposed to just take our ego out of it? And how easy is it to do that? Absolutely. I think a lot of it is ego. And we particularly in the culture, the society that we're in here in the UK, you know, it is a lot of it is kind of you know we want to be shown that we're 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 successful we're smart we're this we're that the other you know so there is a lot of emphasis right on individual success and how that looks and that can play into our relationships that we want to be seen as the more superior one in some ways you know mm. and um and I think it's, it's it's very, very easy when you're a strong woman that's a, you know, go-getter and, you know, you do your own thing, you know your own mind. There's always women that say, oh, men are intimidated by me. And it's like, 
I used to say similar things, not so like direct, always this, oh, men are always intimidated, but you do sort of feel like, oh, you know, men are not comfortable with a woman's success or, you know, but I think that it's it's not so much that, but it's there is a fine line to, I know I have the ability to make a man feel as small as a mouse if I want to, right? But I don't want to. I don't want my man to feel like that. I want him to be empowered. I want him to feel capable and strong. But it's very, very easy to just that fine line between being right, but then actually belittling and demasculating your man. And I think we need to pay close attention to that because eventually it 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 becomes very difficult to come back from when when your man is actually feeling disempowered by the way that you may speak in a way that is maybe subtly controlling and sometimes this can be something like asking the innocent question like oh you're wearing that shirt right oh. or you know criticizing directly uh blaming shaming so in my coaching they are literally there's no real rules around dealing with men but they are the rules don't shame blame criticize or control that's respecting the masculine energy when you're able to do that mm. and and you know it's really interesting that you said that and i i totally uh hear what you're saying and i agree with it but in this day and age you know to even have this conversation and say oh you know what this is how we need to kind of treat men there's a lot of people who would be like well no because you know what we're just going to say what we want and they're going to have to deal with it and I believe in feminism so I'm going to do exactly what you do and I'm going to just tell you like it is and you're going to have to deal with it oh well oh well then don't complain when you get to a point where you haven't got marriage and children it's like you know you do what you want that's fine but is it working for you hmm. that's the bottom line you know, and I, I had this even similar sort of feedback from a client the other day. She had completely attacked me. She just like, don't talk to me about this feminine energy stuff. You know, I'm going to be how I want. If a man doesn't like my energy, so what? And it, that was that, you know, and it was like, okay, not everyone is going to be ready to receive this message. And that's fine. Do you, girl? Do you, you know? But I think the bottom line is we want to get the results with men, right? And a lot of people are very much like, well, why don't you be giving the men this advice, right? Tell them what to do. Tell them how to act. And again, I'm not about trying to control somebody else. It's all about how you can control how you're being and understanding the impact that that has on others. That's all you can do. You can't try to control and change what somebody else is doing. Mm. It starts with you. Yeah. Um I think I was one of those people too, Siobhan, at like, you know, when I was younger, I, I, I probably was and made life difficult. And I, and I, now I look back and I'm like, wow, I really had the time on my hands to do, have all these arguments with my husband. Like, yeah. you know, now I've got three kids that don't have any time and I've obviously grown as a person. And, yeah. um, and I do realize that it is, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't really serve anyone to just do that. And, and, you know, for me, like, uh, I always say this, like, you know, if you grew up singing all the lyrics to Destiny's Child, Independent Woman and think, and, and that's how you were wired, which is obviously brilliant and it's great to be independent and it's good, you know, financial freedom and all that you should have. But it also does make you very much like, right, well, we need to bring 50-50 to the table at all times and and that's that. And, you know, split down yeah. the middle with everything. I'm bringing it and I'm going to bring that exact same energy 
um, and I don't know if you've seen this clip, um, Michelle Obama speaking and saying that it's not always 50-50 in yes. marriage and relationships. Would you agree with that? 100%. It's totally not 50-50. And actually, in some ways, <laughs> I think as a woman, the man should do the most and you should actually be resting in your feminine energy most of the time. Honestly, like my partner does so much. He does most of the cooking, does his weight with it. With, I mean, he is a chef, so that makes sense. But, you know, does a lot of housework, does a lot with the children. And I find a lot of the time, and particularly as well when I'm dealing with, with Asian women, actually, the, the culture is to really almost like mother the man, you know, and do so much for him. And it's almost like... For me, that's then going into over-functioning, right? So even when I'm speaking to women that want to still preserve the traditions of their culture, it's like bringing it up to date with now because actually, yes, of course, it's great. You can throw it down in the kitchen, but you haven't got to do it every night, right? Mm. You haven't got to make sure he's got everything done. Him for so actually men, their, their thing is they really want to be our hero. They really want to do so much for us that we often don't even give them the space to do that. And then we complain they're not doing enough, but we don't even give them the space to step up because we're doing it and we're going, oh, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And this, again, is like this kind of difficulty in giving up control. But honestly, when you give up control and you surrender a bit more and you actually give that space for even your children to do more around the home and your husband to do more around the home, Honestly, it just feels great. Mm. Um, speaking of children and, you know, keeping a spark alive and, uh, you know, just keeping, uh, like, succeeding at that relationship and, 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 and at, at being a family and, and happy within that and keeping your, your love alive, do you think that kids put more of a strain on a marriage and, or on a relationship? I think that children will put a strain on a marriage if one feels that they're doing the most with the kids and the other is not doing enough. Michelle Obama even said that there was about 15 years she hated him or something. There was a yeah, yeah. long period of time, right? Because what was she doing? Point scoring about the fact that she was doing so much more and he was doing less. So that is exactly what happens. It's like you start before you're single just on your own and you don't care if he's really going out with his mates you're going out with your mates when it means someone's got to stay home with the kids while they're out and we feel almost like our freedom is compromised you know and I think that is what can put the pressure you suddenly then get mad because he's gone to the gym for two hours rather than one because you mm. you know and it's little things like that so it's not the children itself but it is the responsibilities that come with that and I feel like if you're not feeling fully supported for whatever reason because maybe you're choosing as I said to overfunction and not ask for help then that's when as a woman you're just exhausted you know and then when you're exhausted you're not going to be in the mood for a bit of nookie or you know you're just going to be like I'm just tired I want to go to sleep now so that's why I feel as a woman particularly, we've got to make sure our cup's full all the time because if it's not, you know, we're pouring from an empty cup, we, we, get, we get snappy and all the rest of it. And I mm. think that, yeah, that's why it is important to, and it's it's difficult sometimes because sometimes we may feel lazy if we're not doing as much as what, but it's not, it's rest. Yeah, It's rest and relaxation, we need it. You yeah. know, men are 
as I say, masculine energy is all about getting rid of that energy. Feminine energy is receiving energy. So it means that you need to be getting charged up a lot more. You know, you feel better when you're more rested. And that's the reality. Yeah. Um, the reality of, you know, long-term relationships, marriage, children, what what is the reality of the amount of work that we need to put into that in terms of keeping a happy uh, relationship with our with our other half so in terms of once you have children you mean what is yeah the key? yeah like you know like you you see people and it's like down the line it's like oh we've been married for you know 15 years we're together we've got kids and it's not really about them anymore do you know what I mean whereas mm. and, and and I think that's sometimes a little bit sad but like how can we avoid that happening yeah well, I think, you know, avoiding that happening is avoiding the over-functioning that we do as women. So as I say, not doing too much, making the space and time also for just each other. It is so important that you have you know, regular date nights, you know, little trips away. So again, you've got that support unit. Hopefully you've got some family friends that you can rely on that could be there to take care of the children. And I think that we shouldn't feel guilty about that either, right? If mum and dad need to go away for a spa break for two days, I think that's really good for the children to actually see as well. And it's very good that they see that, you know, ultimately, I always say, you as the, the husband and wife, the partners, you know, the parents, are the tree and the roots and the children are the branches, right? And so you've always got to focus on the roots, and that's the two of you on that connection. So one of the things I think is so important is daily affection between you, you know, and that could be something as small as when you're passing each other, just a little, you know, grab each other's hand, little squeeze of the hand. It could be a little rub on the back. It could be a little subtle, just at that tactile thing, because that's like how you sort of stay connected and particularly again not making this all about men's needs but they are very big on the physical side of things you know so when uh, I found when I've stepped up having more intimacy yeah. with my partner he does a lot more he's like he's got a rocket up him he's just literally <laughs> wants to do everything right so I think that that is so important right just don't let it go too long before you have that physical intimacy try to be yeah, intimate, affection, touch, physical touch every single day, at least, you know, if you, you shouldn't go a single day without having a little kiss, honestly. Mm. The, the beauty is that you kind of, you evolve and you don't necessarily, you're not necessarily the same person, right, yes. that you were with when you first got together. So it's almost like you've got to learn to fall in love again with each version of each other, you know? Yeah, 100%. Because, yeah. yeah. And especially like I've, I've noticed that because like I, I met my husband when I was uh, 23 and mm. uh, now I'm 44. So that's, yeah. you know, he will have had various versions of me. Exactly. And that's the beauty of it. When, when you're with someone for a long time, you really get to see them literally become different versions of themselves. And I think that it's also important to, you know, we talk about the love languages, right? And one of them is like words of affirmation. So words of affirmation could mean even just carving out some time to share about what you admire in one another. 
what you appreciate about each other and just have those kind of heart to hearts on a regular basis. Like, you know, in the past five years, I've noticed this about you. I see your growth. You know, like just even you should both be committed to your own growth. That's a huge one. If you are both not committed to growing, that's when you get a problem. That's when you grow apart, right? So I think that personal growth is super important, like in terms of just keeping a relationship together. So that's also having those conversations, acknowledging that growth and saying, hey, you know what? Remember when you used to have this problem because you used to snap at me? I love how now, how you communicate with me. Mm-hmm. Or I love how now you've found your passion. You've started your podcast and you're killing it. And I love that, that you've, you had a dream and this was your thing and you've made it a reality. So I think that it's very easy when we're with someone to always want to have conversations about what we're not happy about. We have a tendency to do this. We want to have conversations when it's, okay, serious chat time, not happy about this. But what about those chats of, can we have a chat just to talk about how grateful we are for one another and what we love about each other? Just remind ourselves, it's almost like a a renewal of vows, about the renewal of vows, Mm. but actually to say, you know, this is my commitment to you at this stage in our life. Siobhan, those are really good tips. And um, yeah, I feel like um, it's been so nice talking to you. Um, It's been lovely. Um, If people want a bit more info about you and your um, matchmaking services, where can they find that? Well, I'm on Instagram quite a bit. So you can definitely give me a follow on Instagram. Just my name, Siobhan Copeland. And yeah, you'll see all the links to all my stuff on there as well. Okay, and just, you know, for people that don't know, your name is spelt, not how it sounds. It took me yeah. a long time to uh, actually understand that your name was pronounced Siobhan. Because, like, you know, I think I read the word Siobhan, but I read it as Sioban when I was about yeah. 12 and then kept thinking it was that. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're not the first. You won't be the last yet. So it's S-I-O-B-H-A-N. And, um, yeah, find me there. But also I do actually have a website that's just for my coaching stuff as well now, which okay. is SiobhanCoaching.com. Lovely. Um, and the, the other agencies, is, as you say, Cupid in the City. Uh, and the other one is Project 143. Amazing. Thank you so much, Siobhan. And thank you for listening as well. And I hope that you found this helpful. Please make sure that you do share it with somebody, at least two people. Um, and, and that's all. Until next week. Peace out, Bernie. Bye.